Hey, how's everyone doing? Uh, welcome back to a very special another episode of Real Talk Stories live from Bali where everyone's got a story. Uh, my guest today is actually a really cool character. He's quite an anomaly. I don't want to do too much introducing him. Y'all know how I like to let people introduce themselves. So I've just called him up, called him up on Messenger, and um, yeah, uh, let's see. Are, are you there? Hello? Hey, how how you doing? Yeah, I'm good. How's, how's Bali? Bali's amazing. Um, do you want to introduce yourself or um, some people remain yeah, on? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm Frankie. I... Uh... I live in Byron Bay, Australia, and I uh, manage a retreat center and uh, event space there. We've been closed for for COVID, but normally Still? that's what I do. I thought Australia, I thought Australia got was done with COVID. Oh uh, well, yeah, some things are opened up. There's still a lot of restrictions in place, so there's some businesses can reopen depending on what they're doing and. We could open in a limited capacity, but we decided not to. It's a bit of a process. I know Australia, I, I lived there for about a year. It was just like tons of like paperwork and documents. And you need like a form to get a form to have the form to have the restaurant. Like it's a, it's a ridiculous process over there. There is there's a crazy bureaucracy in Australia. Um, so before we get, okay, cool. So you've got a cool little resort and I, I, I will vouch for his, his resort It is beautiful. It's, it's really, it's like an epic sort of eco luxury, eco lodge in the jungles of Byron Bay. I mean, Frankie's an absolute legend if you ask me. And, um, I don't usually drink, but in an honor of Frankie, I'm going to have a little sip of, uh, what have we here? We've got the Singleton single malt scotch whiskey. Is that a good one? I don't know. Is that a good one, Frankie? Uh, it's all right. Yeah, it's like mid-level. Mid. All right, we're going to have a sip of this midis. Hold on, you guys. I'm going to pop it right now. Ah. Mm. Ugh. I don't know how people do that a lot. All right. So, um, I haven't spoken with you in a, mile, a while, man. I feel like the whole world's changed since the last time we spoke. It's like the world is is ending. I've seen people promoting the election, um, promoting it as the end of the world. I think Joe Rogan, his podcast edition for the election was called The End of the World. It's the end of the world as we know it. I like that song. Um, well, I mean, with every end, there's a new beginning, right? Like, I, I don't know if it even matters... I mean, it's like day four of the election or something. We're never really going to know for sure who won. And I don't think it even matters. I mean, it does it, it seems like every election is like the biggest election. And then people get all worked up and then nothing really happens. So you think this is different for some reason? I mean, you know, people watch Game of Thrones and they get really, really into it. And this is taking up people's attention just like it was a tv series um 
doesn't matter. I don't know if it matters. I, it, it might matter more than the Game of Thrones, you know? So I guess if people's attention's Wait, on this, right? You think the U.S. election matters more than a Game of Thrones episodes, episode? Uh, possibly. You know, that's what I said. It might matter more. But, I mean, I guess at some level it does matter more, but then um depends how much of the election is a genuine process and how much of it is contrived. And that's hard to know from observing at a distance. Well, I think people in the States are even observing from a distance, to be honest, you know. Um, well, it is called political theater for a reason. I mean, that's, you know, a legitimate term. Yeah, um, Frank Zappa. Frank Zappa said that politics is the entertainment division of the military-industrial complex. Sounds about right. Um, I mean, do you believe Trump or Biden? Do you believe either of those guys? Think any any anything either one of them is saying is accurate? Do you mean in terms of the the voting, or in terms of just in general? Just well, specifically in the voting, specifically in what's going on right now. Basically, the narrative: Trump is saying election fraud, and Biden is saying uh, perfectly normal count all the votes. I mean, I think I think that like, um, it's hard to to know just looking at those statements alone. But if you look at what's been happening the past six months or, or more. Um, the introduction of mail-in voting at such a crucial election, you know, when the country's more divided than it's pro possibly ever been, and they decide to introduce a new system of mail-in voting where they'll just mail out ballots to everybody, regardless of whether they actually ask for a ballot or not. Um, so that system is fraught with with problems and with potential um potential for fraud and so for, for the whole time trump was against the mail-in voting and he was saying that um you can't just change the system right before an election and it's, it's not safe and how, how do we verify these that um you know, how do we verify that these votes actually belong to the people they're supposed to belong to? So, but the Democrats were always supporting mail-in voting. And even though the um, Fauci and the CDC came out and said it was perfectly safe to vote in person, um, the Democrats still pushed mail-in voting. And so there was a political divide where Democrat supporters were more likely to vote by mail than Republican supporters. Um, but we don't know to what extent. And so then what's happened is that through traditional voting, Trump was well ahead. Um, once the doors closed and the Democrats started producing their mail-in votes, suddenly uh, hundreds of thousands of votes appeared in certain places. Um, and it's just impossible to know whether those votes are genuine or not. So in terms of it being a fraud or not, I mean, it, it's impossible to know. But I think that 
Trump's calling it that, he, he's not totally out of line. And there's a lot of court proceedings going on. And I think that it is possible that they'll declare victory for Biden in the next day or two. But I think it's also possible that this will go through the courts. And when you s- when, yeah, so specifically when you say they declare victory for Biden, what you're speaking of is the news organizations that uh, publish the projected results. Yeah, I mean, it, it, well, in a sense, that's what's already happened, where states have already been called that have not been decided. Yeah, like Arizona. Like Arizona. Well, okay, so yeah, officially, so- uh, technically, n- no states have been decided because it's based on electoral votes that are cast by individual people. And it's- yeah, so the states, each state has like a slightly different process of... Yeah, yeah, but, but, yeah, but in, in general, that process doesn't, it, it doesn't really happen until December, and it's done in person with the electorates of each state. So basically... The the news organizations declaring a winner is the news organizations basically basing projections off what the uh, initial count of ballots is said to be. Right, and so what what that does is that 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 frames public opinion and public sentiment. So if the votes haven't been counted, but the media is calling it for one of the candidates, then the public expects that that candidate is going to win. So, for example, now, if it turns out that the media calls it for Biden, but then it goes through the courts, they examine the mail-in votes a bit closer and find out that a lot of them are questionable or even fraudulent, and they declare Trump the winner, the public, well, in particular, the the left-leaning public, will go they'll go crazy it will be much much worse than the george floyd riots it will be out and out anarchy in the streets so that's that's probably the uh um well yeah in terms of of they calling it it's the media has a huge role here it's it's interesting that the social media, um, Twitter, they they ban people from calling results unless it's a mainstream news organization. So if you're if you're just a normal Twitter account, you you're not allowed to call a result. Only the mainstream news can, which means uh, that I, 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 yeah, oh yeah, I mean I had my, I had a recent post of mine censored. Um, you know, and this is me just posting something non-political. All I said was, Hey, um, and it was on my private account and I was like, Hey, uh, just everybody, you know, the next few weeks is going to be really intense and just remember to breathe. Um, and that's all I said, but I, I hashtagged a bunch of what would be considered, you know, extremist groups. You know, I hashtag Antifa, I hashtag proud boys, I hashtag, you know, Trump 2020, Biden 2020, you know, like, you know, to, to, cause I want to get people's attention from my, Hey, just, just be cool. Like just take you know, not telling you to do or not do anything. It's just before you do or don't do anything, take a breath. And all the posts said, it was just a picture of me. And it just said, remember to breathe. That's it. And it immediately got censored and it said, 
contains, uh, you know, uh, sensitive political content. Um, and you, you know, I, I appealed the decision, you know, obviously, but haven't heard back from them. So, and that's just me who's not even that deep into anything, you know, that's just me posting something about, so yeah, yeah. So the fact that they, you know, are censoring any information at all related to anything involving this election that's not coming from uh, a, a major corporate news source is is not that surprising. I mean, it's a massive technology company. Like, big technology companies and the U.S. government have been working together yeah. ever since they both began. And Trump, Trump has mentioned in speeches in the last couple of days the... Um, this coup by big tech. And I, I think he's, that's, it's fair to say that like he's, um, if you look at the coordinated effort from big media companies and especially from social media, the coordinated effort against Trump, you know, it, it, it's basically a coup and, um, you know, it's, it's quite amazing that these companies have so much power. And we're not talking about a third world developing country being influenced by social media. We're talking about like the USA's elections being totally controlled by social media. Yeah, and you would think, you would think, I mean, just from the surface that Trump would be all about that. I mean, here's a guy who's like, you know, a homegrown capitalist you know, that's always been about, you know, buying things and having flashy stuff and, you know, living the American dream, you know, but at some point there was some sort of divide, right? At some point it looks like Trump in a way went rogue, you know, and, you know, the companies that were sort of, you know, developing things that he was obviously a part of, I mean, he's on casinos and hotels and da 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 you know, media, he's, was all up in the media. So it, it's sh strange that those two are battling, right? It's strange. Like why are the media, why, why, why are the, the social media companies taking the side of leftists, you know, who seem to actually want a dissemination of wealth, you know, and a redistribution well, of wealth. If you know what I mean? Like, does, is that really what Jeff Bezos wants? Is that really what you know, uh, Jack Dorsey of Twitter wants, they really want the money to be completely redistributed. Like, well, so there's, there's, there's a couple things there in what you're saying, but the, the first bit about siding with the leftists, um, it's not so much that they sided with the leftists. They have been controlling the leftist narrative for years now. And, um, the current state of sort of like cultural socialism that's that's swept through the US in particular and other parts of the West. Um, this this has been created and and um, manipulated through social media the whole time. So they haven't so much sided with the leftists. They've actually created this movement deliberately. Um, the you know, and even on a level of 
we've seen in um, from from people that have worked within Facebook and Twitter and um, that have come out and talked about it. There's the documentary that's come out, um, the social the social dialogue. Uh, the um, people working within the organisations themselves have come out and told us that they are deliberately dividing people because the more divisive the content, the longer people's attention and the longer they stay using the platform, you know, talking and arguing in the comments. And this system creates even more levels of, of separation and, and discordant um, ideas because the way the algorithm works is that whatever creates the most discussion and debate will be shown to more people. And the more that you see that, the more of it, and you engage in that, the more you get shown that kind of content. And it's this self-feeding cycle that uh, where you, everybody is being being uh, polarized more and more by the content that social media is giving them. So, um, so yeah, the, fir the first part is that they're not really siding with the leftists. They're actually creating this movement uh, in order to separate people. When you talk about a rich elite, do they, do they want to share wealth? No, they, they don't want to share their wealth personally. Um, <laughs> that's... That's not what they have in mind, but they want they want to share they want see, to share others others wealth. See, the, the, if you look at any of the communist societies that have existed, um, so you have this egalitarian ideal, and for the normal person, for the working class or the peasants, the farmers, they exist in this equal on this equal level where basically everybody's poor. They might have their, their basic needs met, you know, they'll get by, but everybody's fairly poor and everybody's equal in that. And that's the, the communist societies that we've seen. However, there's always an elite, you know, there's always like the party and the party, they still get to drive around in limousines and smoke cigars and they get all the best shit and they get to travel and, you know, they get all these benefits in life, but the regular people, they're all poor. So if you have a total communist dictatorship, you, you basically, you're just getting rid of the middle class. So you still have an upper class, you still have a ruling elite, and they have a level of wealth where anything they want is at their fingertips. And then everybody else is poor. And that, that, that's your communist system. Whereas like a capitalist system, you have an elite, but then you have a lot more possibility for everybody else to be at different stages on, on that ladder. Um, you know, some people are poor and some people are, are do all right in the system. Whereas communism is just everybody's poor plus the elite who own everything. So for, for, for the elite of the world to think about a communist system, it's, uh, that's not a big problem for them. It actually just means more wealth for them and 
impoverishing the existing middle class. Right, right. What, what I'm saying is it seems like there's several different ruling elitist systems in play and that they're not working together in the same way they, they used to. Like, like Trump is from is associated with certain groups that play a certain way, and then the Dems are part of a different group that play a different way. And maybe there's some overlap, but it looks like at some point there was a divide. Okay, so like in the 80s and 90s in the U.S., like there was there was there was there was obviously a lot of issues. Right? I'm not dismissing the issues in the states especially the civil issues and the domestic issues in the 1890s. What I'm saying, though, is there wasn't, like, an internal American division like there is now. Like, the lines, it's, it's, it's sort of like, how did these lines get so clearly defined? Because when you go out there, like, I'm not, look at it, I'm not a protester, I'm not a demonstrator, you know what I mean? I'm not any sort of extreme anything, you know what I mean? I live my life, I like my privacy. I'm so private, I, this, pop, I'm anonymous on the podcast, you know? Like, I, I'm very modest and you know don't want to get involved and don't care about getting involved and when i see like these two sides because i look at it with an unbiased perspective and i see a group like the quote-unquote proud boys and a group like the quote-unquote antifa like battling each other i'm like you know the most dangerous thing for actually the ruling elite that's oppressing both of those groups is if those two sides can find a way to agree on things right because it's like you look at it like, oh, it's crazy. It's like, what, like maybe one or two people died and like these two sides that both are essentially like fighting for the same thing, but they don't know it because they've been fed completely different narratives. <laughs> and it's like, yo, like seriously, you know, they all want independence. They all want freedom. They all want like a living wage. They all want, you know, they, none of them want war, right? Like none of the people ever want war, yet there's war. So, you know, there's a lot of com common similarities between them. So it's interesting, this, like, the, you know, but for, there's this divide. There's this divide. And it's like, you know, right now it's most applicable in Trump and Biden. Two completely separate sides that, can, that have, can think completely different things about what their leaders, quote unquote, are saying. But if they actually really looked inside and saw what their principles and things they wanted, they see they actually agree with the other side on 99.9% .9 of the issues. So, well, so, yeah, you know, the people might not agree. Do, do, do you hear what I'm saying, though? So if this, if, 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 if uh, like, the term they is vague. So when you say ruling elite, you're, like, basically, like, the technology companies right now, right? And the, and the military industrial complex and the tech companies, basically. Well, right now, I mean, yeah, we, at the moment, we've just been talking about the way social media influences society and elections. I'm not really talking about some kind of shadowy elite. I'm just talking about the social media companies, you know, um, the well, influence big. that they have makes them very powerful, though, you know, they have a very huge influence on our society now. Yes, yeah, psychological. Yeah, and I don't think there's anything shadowy or anything about that. They, you know, everybody is aware of that. You know, Facebook and Twitter and these things—they they have a big sway in society. And by censoring a lot of the content they're censoring 
instead instead of letting people communicate, you know, with one another, it creates divides. People can't communicate. Do you, do you remember the first time? Do you remember the first time that social media was really used for like a big social movement? You know, in the beginning of the Arab Spring in Egypt. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, I do remember the Arab Spring. You know, and it was um... so. Just, just real quick. So, the big reason why social media was effective in bringing about a democratic revolution in Egypt was because Twitter and Facebook were uncensored. And the Egyptian government was trying to, to like, you know, block Facebook, block Twitter, censor information, do these things. And Twitter and Facebook were like, no, we're going to let everyone speak freely. And, you know, it was extremely successful. So now from, like, an outside perspective, you know, I'm American originally. From the outside perspective, look at it, it looks like the U.S. government is trying to affect democracy. And my question to you, you know, because you've basically already laid that out, is like, what's the benefit of that? And what, what, you know what I mean? Like, what are people like, aren't, like, is anything really going to change? Because people are going to be, seems like they're going to be starving either way. They're going to be, you know, in a bad position in, in, in a lot of ways, especially a lot, a lot of black people. I mean, they've had a bad deal for like 200 years, bro. I can't believe they even care who's president, Biden or Trump. They should be like, this is all bullshit. We want reparations. You know what I mean? Like, to be like, shh, that's a bad deal. So, you know, it's not, you know, now that like a lot of white people are affected, all of a sudden, you know, white people are like, oh, this is terrible. And it's like, well, dude, this is like what happens when a, a, a ruling elite, you know, exercises, you know, control over people, you know. Oh, and it's a little stressful, Frankie. Yeah, it's it's a stressful time, you know. Yeah. There's um, lots lots of things affecting the collective psyche, you know. You need to um think of of ways of uh, putting other ideas into people's minds. Yeah, like chill out, freaking peace and love. You know. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, you can't you can't stress about it personally though, you know. You got you just it's it's all part of the process, man. You know. Yeah, you know? ultimately we're we're all creating this together, you know. Everything that's happening is the will of the collective that we're all a part of. The thing is though, is like all that stuff comes from my fucking phone. Like if I'm not looking at my phone, then all of a sudden, like, even the election, the big U.S. election, who's a, if I wasn't checking my phone, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't care, and it wouldn't affect my life. Like, it's all comes, like, it seems less and less real all the time. More and more yeah. remote. Like, what? Well, yeah, like, a lot of the, a lot of the things that people are worried about are, uh, things that don't exist in their own reality, you know, like, um, yeah, if you, well, (laughs) yeah, there's there's a lot of things, but I mean, um, you know, the world is actually getting a lot better. You know, if you, if you think of how 
things were 50 years ago or whatever. Things are getting a lot better and, you know, there's a, yeah, man. a, lot, of talk about, a lot of talk about systematic racism that whilst it may exist and there's definitely racist people out there, things are actually a lot better now than they were before and um, the I think we're hearing about it like it's this ever-present thing, but I, I don't actually see it in my reality. You know, I don't really see, like, um, instances of of racism and overt racism. Like, yeah, I mean, you, you, maybe the occasional, um, I don't know, but naive. Bro, you, are, you also live, like... On in a resort in the middle of the jungle. In right, a, but even you know what I mean. <laughs> it's pretty chill like, out there. But even when I'm in a city in Australia, in a city, or if I'm traveling, I'm in the states. I'm in LA, or I'm in Vegas, or wherever. I'll be out in a bar or in any kind of situation. And there's people all over the place and it's a very mixed race. And I, I've noticed this, I've been going to the States for 20 years and I've definitely noticed on more recent trips, how much more mixed the crowd is. And when I first went there 20 years ago, it was more like you'd see groups of white people, groups of black people, groups of Latin people, you know, you'd see this more separate groups and the last few times I've been in the States, it was just everybody was mixed up. You know, there was, it, it really looked to me that there was just um, a much more, um, like people were coming together a lot more. And there's a mix oh, of Oh, wow. That's a good message. More harmonious than what I saw 20 years ago. Um, so, yeah, like I'm, I'm not just talking about what I see here. I see what well, I kind of see around you obviously haven't been to the states during covid <laughs> that shit has totally changed <laughs> it's like ridiculous well, bro it's so well, I'll, I'll unharmonious it like everybody's upset it's like what seriously it's yeah you're right it was getting good for a while and everyone was blending i'll put it put it to you this way you know 20 or 30 years ago Racism was definitely a bigger problem than today, right? I remember when I was a kid and how much more normal racism was when I was oh, a kid, right? Especially in Australia. So, you know, it, definitely 30, 40 years ago, society was more racist. But mm. we talk about racism a lot more now than we ever did before. So, if it's going down and getting better, why are we talking about it more? And why is it suddenly like, it seems like it's a bigger issue than it's ever been before. Like, it seems like it's this sudden pandemic of just racism just come out suddenly and there's racists everywhere and there's Nazis hiding on your bed. <laughs> but actually like it's, there are, there are racists around, but actually. Uh, no, yeah, but they're not better. hiding under your bed. Yeah. No, I, yeah, but, it, it, it does seem to be definitely. But do you see what I mean? How this, yeah. this, this thing had suddenly come up. As a, and this was just an example. You know, I didn't want to, want to focus just on that one issue. But um, a lot of the things that people are being told to 
be worried about and be angry or upset or fearful about. A lot of these things actually aren't really issues, or at least they're not things that we need to be that concerned about, you know? Bro. Um, what's that? Nothing's really that much of an issue. Like, that's that's one of the major problems is people's massive, violent overreactions. Like, yeah. there's a deep, deep psychological sickness of aggression that exists, and it's rampant in the U.S. And whatever people's ideals that they base that aggression off of, it doesn't matter because the end result is the same, and it's terrible. And it doesn't look like it's getting any better because Trump's not conceding, and Biden looks like he's just going to go ahead and go go with the uh, the 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 media and say, yeah, well, okay, we won. And maybe maybe he did get the most votes. Maybe Trump didn't get the, got the most votes. But the fact is, is unless everybody knows knows, it's going to be a civil war. You know, and I, yeah. I, I, it doesn't have to be a civil war like everyone thinks of in the, in the 1800s. And there's the uh, colonel for each side, and they have the two divisions. No, it can be much more like integrated war, you know? So that's the big issue. And, you know, in the betting markets, because, you know, I like the political betting markets, there's basically only a 40% chance, it's 40 cents on the dollar, that Trump's going to concede the election within the next few weeks. And, like, right. the, the prediction for who's actually going to be president has fluctuated several times. And there's several different news organizations that are calling different states, like we mentioned earlier. Arizona was called for Biden by several news organizations, but not the other ones. And you know what the betting sites rule it on? The money sites, they rule it on when Fox News and CNN agree on a result. And Arizona came when out, and Arizona came out, and they said, uh, Arizona's blue. And, like, the Associated Press said it. And Fox ran with it and put it up and said, oh, Biden won Arizona. And CNN is like, wait, we actually don't have that information. Yeah, well, isn't that a crazy thing that, that <laughs> oh, Fox is supposed to be the pro-Trump network oh, bro. and CNN is the anti-Trump network and Fox called it for Biden and CNN said, no, like, what what's going on here? Is it like the flipping in? Well, like if CNN had agreed with Fox, they had both put it out. The market would have gone ninety nine to one. Like the market would have closed and resolved. And as far as the money lines on the betting sites, it would have been Biden won. And that's yeah. that's symbolic. You know that that's representative and symbolic of the greater whole. Like the media is running shit. Like they are. And that's why I think it's ridiculous that, like, these small groups that are showing up, right, like, you know, the, the different protest groups, why they're even arguing. Like, they should really just understand that they're, like, pretty much on the same side. And, you know, they've got these giant, you know, corporations that are controlling them through psychological warfare to have them, you know, basically like a, a proxy war. Like, the corporations are having a proxy war with, like, their foot soldiers, you know? So, 
I mean, unless they can have some agreements, and they're not going to have agreements unless they can communicate, and they can't communicate when companies like Twitter keep shutting down free, free, free dial, you know, like open dialogue and censoring content. You think what? You think the tech companies want communism? Is that what you're trying to say? Um. Well, I don't know for sure if if the tech companies want communism, but you asked before about like. Bezos or someone, and and I, I don't know about him in particular either. I don't know if he is an individual wants communism. I just meant that that rich people throughout history have have created communism um, to further enrich themselves. Mm. So it's not it's not beyond thinking that a rich person would want to create a communist system. I don't I don't know whether Bezos or Zuckerberg or any of them. The rest of them want to create that. They certainly want to create division, which, on a very, um, just just on an economic level of of, of advertising and, um, you know, because because what what is the the commodity now is our attention. In and the longer you, they've got your attention, the more time they have to to advertise to you. So, the commodity is your attention. And so the more divided we are and the more we're arguing on, on, on social media, the more they have our attention. And so, yeah, this is not, um, so, so, so this division is just something that they're, that they're doing. I don't, I, I can't say whether they, that that's leading to communism. It's just leading to separation. You know, and it's um, if you look at the political side and you look at the Antifa and the kind of progressive left movement that sprung up, that does seem to be moving towards communism and trying to institute that. And certainly it seems to be supported by the social media outlets. Just seems like anarchy to me. It doesn't seem like wasn't communism a little more organized. Um, yeah, but this is pretty organized if you think about it, like, I mean, when you look at a window being smashed, it looks like it's anarchy, but but where did the bricks come from? Why were there, like, you know, pallets of bricks in convenient locations all over the U.S. right when the riots kicked off? You know, like, um... Yeah, this is all pretty coordinated, and it's not just that. It's also they've got government on board, they've got media on board. Where where the riots have been allowed to to continue endlessly are all in democrat controlled places, and the Republican controlled places they don't have any riots. You know, because if people start smashing up shops and looting and stuff well then the police normally will go in and stop that so that's happening in in republican places but in democrat places they're just letting them loot and riot it's been going on for months so the um yeah so this is so it's not i wouldn't say it's like anarchy because there's a coordination to this that involves the democrat party and um involves news media the way they've covered it 
and you know there was <laughs> um i think it was i don't know if it was cnn or another one of the other networks but uh there was a clip of a reporter in front of a burning building and, <laughs> and he says it's um fiery but mostly peaceful protests and he's in front of a fucking building that they've set on fire <laughs> and he's like it's fiery but mostly peaceful you know and like literally to to for the media to like call these people that are like like setting buildings on fire and to say that that's mostly peaceful like there's obviously um there's involvement in the media too like they they somehow are um are a part of or, or at least somehow supporting this movement you know because at the same time anybody that protested the lockdown got ridiculed in the media and you know they people protesting the lockdown was said to be like irresponsible and dangerous but you know people protesting black lives matter were that was okay because it was peaceful protest and it was necessary so so there was then the media was involved in this you know it's not um so yeah again it's not like a, there was just random violence in the streets there was a coordinated thing with the with antifa and the media and the democrats and and social media that that allows them to organize but then blocks all the conservatives well again that's 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 only that's happening in democratically controlled cities um but that doesn't happen in you know republican controlled cities well yeah the, all the cities with the republican mayors they just sent the police in and stop stop the violence and stop the looting uh but democrat cities have just allowed it you know in seattle they just let them take a section of the city for for a month or something yeah and it didn't accomplish anything no uh, but they but they managed to kill a few people like, well few... like i mean that's people get killed all the time anyways there's probably uh, actually yeah, less sure. casualties. There's probably actually less casualties within that area than in the rest of Seattle during that time. Oh yeah, that I would. The violence, the violence in America, man, is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You know, I was I lived in Australia for like a year. I did not see a, like even one percent as much violence. You know. It's people there, they just, they overreact, you know? Well, you know, the, the political violence is, you know, it's been growing and it's for a while. Bro, did you see the images of these boarded up? It just feels like this weird sci-fi movie. Did you, did you see the images of all the buildings boarded up They over the past 48 hours? Yeah. In preparation for all the riots? Um, yeah, I saw that. Like, 
And by the way, there's like a hundred thousand new cases of you know COVID nineteen. Like what? It's like it's just does like all, it, none of this stuff seems manageable right now, man. It just seems like nothing is sorted at all over there. Yeah, I mean everybody's just waiting. Everyone's just in limbo to see where when all this will uh, will stop or change. You know, tr- you know, the White House is erecting a massive wall around the White House. Yeah. <laughs> Does that sound like a guy that's getting ready to leave office? <laughs> well, they. I mean, in any case, he's not supposed to leave till January. So, if there's if, if there's a, you know, if there's a lot of protesters or rioters around the, the White House. I guess it would make sense to Bro. have security. It's just from a purely external perspective, it looks like the beginnings of like a rogue totalitarian government or a um, the, Trump. Hmm. the Trump government does or the Biden government. <laughs> I would say definitely, I mean, that's the thing. From the outside, I wouldn't even judge. I wouldn't say it's this side or that side. I would just say, oh, you know, like the main home of the leader of the country is building a massive, you know, wall around the building. There's riots in the street. There's a huge pandemic. Like shops are boarded up. Like people don't have any money, you know. Like, it would look, it would look really you, bad from the outside. If you let, let's with no bias. Um, bro. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, if you, it, but you have to have some kind of context because if you're looking from the outside, like, if you just saw well a president boarding up and bringing in troops bro. to surround his house and people in the street. You would just think there's some kind of unrest, but you wouldn't know why. Well, the context is that people are out of money, they're starving, they're scared, they're bored, they're desperate, and they're freaking out. Well, not really. The context is that the left have been told for months now that Trump is planning some kind of coup and Trump won't leave peacefully and there's even groups that were organizing um, protests for the night of the election and to like surround the White House and remove Trump if he doesn't go on his own so like um, yeah there's a there's definitely groups out there talking openly talking about using force to remove Trump so um, to, for Trump, just just in a normal sense, like if you if you didn't think the worst of Trump, if you just looked from the outside, like you said before, like you looked at any leader that had people openly calling to remove him physically, like before his time is even up, it, it's pretty normal that they would want to bring in some kind of security. 
Well, usually they graciously step down. Well, and yeah. If they don't, and if they don't, they're just considered oftentimes dictators. I look. I, I would. I would say that, like, I followed the U.S. politics, like the election cycle, the last six months or so, and from everything that I was seeing, I find it really, really hard to believe that Biden won. Like, if the votes were counted for I don't think there's any way Biden won. I don't think there's any way. I don't know a single person that voted for for Trump that decided to then vote for Biden, like, back in 2016. But I know a lot of people that voted for Clinton in 2016 that switched to Trump. So I don't know how he lost. I don't know how he lost. The only people I know that still voted for Biden and voted for Clinton were like super leftists. But like in general, most people, like the average person that voted for Clinton in 2016 went to Trump because they don't, they don't, they're like, Biden's fucked. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's just ridiculous. <laughs> like nobody care, cares about that guy. And the Bernie, right. the Bernie bros, the Bernie bros were twice as upset because like we got it stolen from us again. Fuck that. That's so the, anything... Demo- the Democratic establishment came together and conspired to take the nomination away from Sanders and give it to Biden. And the turning point was Georgia. And you know who runs Georgia? Clyburn. James Clyburn. He's a super Dem guy. And now you got Trump and Biden. And Trump was leading big time in Georgia. And then when it looked like he was going to win Pennsylvania, Georgia came out and said, oh, actually, it's tied. And Trump's like, whoa, what do you mean it's tied? We have to do a recount. And they're like, oh, we'll see. But luckily, like under constitutional law, if it's less than half percent, you get an automatic recount. So they don't have to even because they've been trying to do a bunch of lawsuits and none of their lawsuits are going through to count votes and stuff like all their lawsuits are being uh, shut down by local courts. So Trump's like, well, let's go to the Supreme Court. And then the Dems are like, oh, the Supreme Court, that's been stacked by the Republicans. So I don't know. The whole thing is a little bit ridiculous. Like, I just don't know. I just don't see where. Like when it's going to be all peaceful and everyone's going to lay down their guns and sing Kumbaya, you know? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't see a peaceful thing coming out of it. But, but when you were saying a second ago that um, uh, kind of like the idea that Trump might be planning some kind of authoritarian takeover. I mean, if if he genuinely won the election and what's going on is some kind of fraudulent manipulation, then he's not being an authoritarian dictator if he sticks around and tries to go through the courts. Uh, No, if he does that, he's like a bastion of democracy. He's like a, he's like being very patriotic. If he like actually, yeah, now I don't disagree with, I'm not saying I disagree with what he's doing. I'm saying what it looks like from the outside looking in. I'm saying from the outside looking in based on, you know, without knowing the details. I mean, when you look at the details, you know, yeah, I mean, sure, count all the votes, you know. Both sides, are, both sides have already written their narrative, you know. We already know what both sides are going to say about the votes. So, 
I mean, maybe maybe we don't. Maybe we don't. I mean, I'm pretty sure the narrative is from uh, the Democrats and Biden's side is that, oh, as more votes come in, they're, they're far more democ- democratic, so we're going to win. And Trump says that all the votes need to count because there's a bunch of fraudulent votes. I don't know whose side is right, but I know that they both have their narrative. I know neither one is going to back down from that narrative. And I don't know where the resolution is supposed to be. Because Biden's going to say he won and Trump's going to say, no, you didn't. We have to, you know, prove it. And then he's never and Biden's never going to prove it. So what the fuck? You know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. I'm saying, I'm not saying he's this or that. I'm just saying nobody knows. Nobody knows except that everybody thinks we're headed for some kind of civil war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty common theme right now. That's a pretty common theme, man. I really, you know... When my friends in America tell me what it's like there... It sounds literally like a sci-fi dystopia flick. Literally. Like, I got this guy who does these weekly updates, like weekly updates from America with Cousin Polly. And he's like, yeah, man, you know. And he's like, can't even buy a coffee anymore. And you got to wear this mask. And there's fucking boarded up windows and people breaking shit. And the fucking coffee's $8. And you're like, what am I paying $8 for? You can't even use money. You got to swipe your phone. The lady doesn't even look at you, and you can't even stand there drinking your coffee. And if you take your mask off, take a drink of a coffee, you can get a $1,000 fine from the cops. And you're like, what the fuck? You're giving me a $1,000 fine for drinking a coffee, and there's a bunch of people smashing windows over there? <laughs> he's pretty fucking funny. But point being, he's a little sarcastic. Not always completely realistic, but very funny. And, uh, you know, the point being is... Civil War in 2020 doesn't look like Civil War in the 1800s and 1950s or the case may be like there's a lot of different aspects at play there's psychological warfare which is a big one now you know you don't even need to use all the guns even though there's plenty there's more guns than you know people in the u.s you know biological i mean obviously china you know this is very this is a very successful you know very you know if truly, you know, it was there was a biological attack on the U.S. in the form of COVID-19 by the Chinese, and truly the Russians are messing with the election to where Americans are not confident about the results, which is seems to be effective also, you know, then America's in real trouble. Because <laughs> that means they're losing on two fronts. Yeah, well. Australia freaking did pretty well, man. I was living in WA, West Australia, and we're like, no, 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 no. No political unrest, no COVID. We're just going to go about our lives normal. No, no, no masks. Like, leave, leave us alone. We're going to live our lives. We're going to go to the beach. You know what I mean? And the governor just closed the borders with, like, military checkpoints. Boom. Hard border. Bam. Oh. Okay. It's safe inside the bubble. Okay. <laughs> Oh God, they're pretty. To- they're fairly totalitarian over there, but it's totalitarian in such a like a nice and courteous way. <laughs> it's like we're your rulers. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because everybody is so compliant. 
Well, it's pretty easy to be compliant there because people have good freaking lives. Yeah. Nobody's starving, bro. So it's like you can get upset about something and have your like your like principled perspective, but nobody's like desperation, starving, like need to freaking make a change. You know what I mean? It's like a little yeah. different when it's like absolute life or death, you know? Yeah. I, I was talking to some like locals here in Bali, you know, because Bali's having a really tough time in the economy right now. Right. But I, I was talking to them. And I was like, what's the biggest problem? Like, uh, not like not being able to buy like new things, but like, what's your biggest issue that you're facing day to day right now that makes your life difficult here? And they're like, well, we can't make money. And I'm like, well, you know, what can you, can you not make money from? And what do you need to even make money for? And like, oh, well, you know, buy new phones and stuff. And like, well, I'm like, well, what do you have to make the money? Like, oh, well, we grow all this food, but we have no one to buy it. And I'm like, your biggest problem is that you have too much food like fresh produce and no one will buy it. I'm like, and then, you know, I look at America and people that are broke there, they're really suffering because they might be in a house, but they're eating ramen top, you know, like dried ramen noodles out of a bag with Pringles on the side. You know what I mean? And their body's suffering and it makes their mind suffer. And they're fucking, they're, 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 there's no future in that. And so actually people in the third world that are like still sort of rural are doing relatively the same. And people like in a lot of parts of America that have completely ran out of money and all the bailout money was, no one even knows where it went. 90% of the tr multi-trillion dollar bailout package went to corporations and back to the government. The actual American population only got 10% of it. It was ridiculous. So now they're double broke, but the point being, the point being is at least people that are don't have money in a lot of the third world countries that are still developing is they have food. They have clean food and they're healthy, man. Nobody's dying. Nobody's sick. Do you know what I mean? Everyone eats. They just can't buy the brand new iPhone. You know what I mean? Like, who gives a fuck? But people in the States, because of the way that the system has eroded internally, like they don't have access to the money they would need to purchase the sort of produce that they would like the whole foods and natural foods that they would need to get to stay healthy. So they're eating sick. They're getting COVID. They're getting the other flu. Now. They're getting other flus now because now it's flu season. So, you know, and it's just a really tough time, you know? So it's like, Oh, the election's a big deal and maybe it'll be a catalyst. But if it is so freaking what, if it is all, if it is, you know, if it, if, if it is really elite that, and it is leaning towards communism, like, so what? You know, if it is the last gasp of, like, true American capitalism, who, so what? Oh, and if they win, so what? Like, I don't know. If it becomes a capitalistic totalitarian society or a left-leaning communistic form of socialism, I don't really care. I'm not going to stress out about it, Frankie. I don't think you should stress out about it. You know, I don't think we should stress out about it. I think... That is as powerful or as not powerful as we give it credit for. It is entertaining, though, isn't it? Come on. You gotta admit, it's a little entertaining. You like yeah. it. You love it. You love it, Frankie. You're all up in that stuff. It's a show, you know, and especially this time when they've got us all at home, they've cut off normal activities. 
Well, Bali's back alive. Bali's fine. Bali's fine. Bali's had less COVID deaths than Australia had. And there's no lockdown. Right. People are healthy. They're going about their business. Some wear masks. Some don't. You know what I mean? People caught it. People didn't. But no, it's 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 not like any other flu, man. It's really, it's really, really not. You know, it's just, it's just a mass force. It might be a little worse, but if it's a little worse, it's only because the Chinese added a little like tail to the, the end of the, uh, the end of the, um, the virus's structure. So, you know, it might be a little harsher, last a little longer. So, you know, it's not like you, you don't want to get it. It's not like go out there and, you know, start licking fucking, you know, bus seats in Philadelphia or anything. But, um, you know, it's definitely not as bad as the media makes it out to be, you know. And people here aren't worried about it. I'm telling you, man, the only time that anyone that I have all, any stress I might even kind of have from the screen, dude. From the, the from the screen that screen like that's why oh, the other thing i think that's beautiful about a podcast is right now we're having a conversation i'm not on a screen people that are listening to this they're not listening to it on a screen they're listening to it and they're doing their day they're going about their thing you know what i mean they're driving around or walking around you know they're not on a screen like this is real communication this is uncensored you know it's 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 like we just got to find a way to get people to call in and we got to find a pe way to let, like get people to make money. Like I want to do giveaways. I want to give away money. Like the thing about podcasts is they're uncensored. So you can basically, you know, I had a guest on that was like talking about Satan worship and someone else that was like, you know, talking about, you know, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Like, you know, sexual assault and like Jesus and just like weird stuff, man. And that's the beautiful thing. And it's like, people are on screens and people can speak uncensored and I want to get people to be able to call in. Right. Like I want to be able to like, be like, okay, if you want to ask Frank a question, cause you're really knowledgeable, you can call in right now and ask him a question about what we're talking about, whatever. Right. But because podcasts have to be recorded and then uploaded and then downloaded, right. Like recorded and then uploaded to like iTunes and like, you know, Android podcasts and just, you know, Spotify, you know, you can't be done live. The only way to live is a live stream. But I want to like just live stream an audio, right? So basically you're like live streaming on YouTube, but instead of the screen showing your faces, it's like just showing some graphics. But then the problem with that is then people are looking at the screen. Like that's the thing I want to get. Like basically, do you remember radio shows? They were a thing back in the day and people would call in and people in the community call in, you'd have conversations well, those don't exist anymore. Now it's like the closest thing that would be a YouTube, but that's like a streaming video platform. It's not like have a conversation. Like you can't call into YouTube and be doing something else. But with podcasts and radio, you can call in while you're making breakfast, right? You can call in while you're making lunch. You can call in while you're, you know, taking a poop or, you know, sitting on your balcony. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think um... it's more casual. And more accessible. So you can do it. You could do it through Zoom. So you'd um, the call and logistics would be a little bit different. You know, you'd probably have to have someone 
send a message or something online and then you send them the Zoom invite. But the thing about the Zoom call is you can stream the Zoom call through YouTube or any other streaming platform. So the people watching on YouTube, they're just seeing the stream. They're not joining the call. They just see the, the stream of the call. Um, oh, and they can click that, and join if they want. Well, no, not, not, not the viewer on YouTube, but if someone's going to call you, then you, you just give them the invite to the Zoom meeting. So they call you on Zoom. They, they join the meeting, basically. So it means instead of just calling up, somebody could, you know, you'd have a like a text chat somewhere that's open. It could be on YouTube or it could be uh, wherever it is, but you have basically people message and say, hey, I want to talk. I've got a question. And then you send them the, the link to the Zoom call. Yeah, see, that's that's too much. That's too much clicking. I want it to be one 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 button, one one press go. Like first caller, bam. You get a hundred bucks. Second caller, boom, you get to ask Frankie a question. <laughs> I wanna give away money, man. I wanna give away money. I feel like a lot well, of what's that? Well then you I mean you'd have that that'd be possible, but it'd be old school like somebody tell calling a telephone. I just wanna I mean, then you'd have to set up something where, like a switchboard thing, where the the call goes into your audio feed. That sounds a little bit intrusive. It's going to go, like, right into my audio feed. I hope it would at least, like, you know, sound check first. Um... All right. Well, I guess, um, do we have anything else important to talk about? I mean, where are we at? How are you doing? Is everything fine? Or what? Yeah, everything's, everything's good. You know, um, that was a good chat for, for tonight. Maybe we, um, do another call at another point when, uh, we check in when the elections are being called. <laughs> Dude, no one's ever going to know what the like no one's ever going to actually know the result of the elections and that's a big issue hold on one second frankie frankie one second one second one second one second frankie yeah Ah, uh, woo, okay, okay, we're back, real talk stories, live from Bali, where everyone's got a story, our next guest this evening, we've got a Mr. Uncle Frankie, yo, hey, <laughs> are we on, are we starting now? Oh, uh, so on. <laughs> oh, man. Yo, for real, bro. 
You gonna come visit? Yeah, well, when the when we're allowed out, you could get exemption if you can prove that you're leaving long term. Was it six months plus? Somewhere like that. Those borders are pretty controlled right now, man. Yeah, in Australia, it's it's pretty full on. I think most countries are letting people leave if they if they have somewhere to go. Did I tell you what happened when I went to check in for my flight out of uh, Australia to Bali? As soon as no, you, as soon as you walk into the international terminal, like to where the line is to get for ticketing, there's approximately six Australian Border Force agents, officers in uniform that stop you and say, are you an Australian citizen or permanent resident? And if you are, then you need to, pre you need to produce basically QR verified documents that prove that you have exemption from the federal government to, to leave the borders. Yeah. Luckily, I had a U.S. passport. I was like, oh, oh, sorry, guys. Not this time. Not this time. <laughs> They're like, all right, you're free to go. I'm like, jeez. You're not a permanent citizen, right? Nope. I was thinking about it, but now I don't know if I'm thinking about it anymore. You know what I realized is that in times of, like, major global crisis and chaos it's often safer to be in a country where you have a passport from a different country like it's almost safer to be in a different country other than your own because you're like protected yeah. at least by some sort of international rights right because the only country that can really like take advantage of your rights is your own country you know what i mean because they're the ones that like issue your passport and like have their say over you, you know what i mean so yeah kind of yeah kind well for example If I'm in, say, any country in the world, and I'm like, I want to leave and go back to America, I can. If you're in any country in the world, and you're like, I want to leave and go back to Australia, I can. The only country that can decide whether you can or cannot do that is your country. Whatever country you hold passport for. They're the only ones that control, control your movement. Uh, with, without accusation of a crime. Like, if you're in a country and you break a law, they can hold you if, if it's assumed that you broke a law of their country. But if you don't break, if you're just a normal person, right, and you just want to go from one place to another, like, no place can stop you from leaving. It's in the International Declaration of Human Rights. You have freedom of movement. A country cannot keep you from departing. But once you're in a country that's your own country, you know, the country you're born in, well, that country, that's all internal. That's all domestic. So... You know, there's no one outside to help you. That's why it's almost safer to be in countries where you hold a different passport. Like, I feel way sa safer here than I would feel in the United States right now. Or in Australia, for that matter. That's why I got the heck out of there. <laughs> like, here, it's like you get to know the locals. You know, you pay good wages. You make sure everyone's supported around you. You know, and because you're coming from a Western country with money, you know, your say has a lot more weight, you know? So, you know, I feel really safe. I mean, I don't have a fucking, I'm not surrounded by people that, you know, would protect me in America. 
or in Australia. You know, and I mean protection from anybody or anything. You know what I mean? I don't want anyone or anything, government or otherwise, to have any say over me. Yeah, well, Bali, you'll probably find a bit more of that independence than in than in Western countries. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously there's parts of the states and parts of Australia, like ultra rural areas where, you know, there is a sense of vigorous independence. But other than that, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's just, it's just nice not having to deal with a bunch of people, you know, like, that's the thing about all that protesting and stuff. I'm just like, dude, you guys, like, how can you deal with that? <laughs> it seems terrible. Like, I don't want to break anything. I don't want to break anything. I don't want to, like, I don't mind debating. Like, I don't care about, like, debating a little bit, you know, like, arguing about some stuff in a, you know, a playful way. But I don't want to, like, try to, like, like, I just feel so bad. I feel so sad for, like, what's happening, man. And I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to do about it. I don't know what anyone can really do about it, you know? It's just like, oh, well, just, uh, it's cool. Just take care of yourself and, you know, take some deep breaths and, oh, yeah, we'll see what happens. And it's, like, easy for you and me to say, man, but the world's freaking suffering and it trips me out. I'm trying not to stress about it, but I got a pretty major headache, you know? I've been drinking Kratom. You know Kratom? Yeah. Is that stuff legal in Australia? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Totally legal here. You get the shop, whatever. So it's the only thing I, I'll do here because it's the only thing that's like legal and like there's really strict laws. So the only thing I'll do here is drink Kratom. Maybe drink a little alcohol sometimes. Um, and uh, it has a strong effect, man. Yeah, I've been hearing about it a bit, but I never tried it. Like, I was like, oh, I'll drink a little to loosen up for the podcast. And now I'm just having like a tough time carrying the conversation. I'm just like, what? Like, I wish you were here, man. This is ridiculous, bro. Ridiculous, man. Is this what it is now? We got to just have conversations on podcasts across the world? Can't just hang out? It might be for a while. Yeah, it might be. It might be, man. I do miss the good old days, though, Frankie. I do miss the good old days. Yeah, well... As, who knows where we'll end up? It feels like you know the next few months will be pivotal. Um, maybe we'll end up somewhere better than before. I might just not check any social media or any news. I'm gonna see how long I can do that, man. But this gives me a fucking headache. I can't drink kratom and look at the news. I gotta choose one or the other. <laughs> they don't go well together. It's a very much like, uh, yeah, I think I just want to go to the hot springs with a beautiful woman. That's the thing, man. There's a lot of beautiful, amazing women here, and they're all so open and, it's like, so loving, you know? It's so good, man. It's so good. No one's worried. No one's stressed out. It's pretty much paradise here, bro. It's pretty much, like... It's pretty much, it's so good that, like, my paranoid mind is like, oh, what's the catch? 
<laughs> oh no, there's got to be some sinister plot right below the surface. It can't all be this good all the time. But then it's like, oh, it is kind of all that good all the time. You'd fucking love it. You've never come here and spent a lot of time, have you? No. Dude, you you would never leave, bro. You would never leave. You'd get like a your a little villa and you start wearing the kimonos and you go to the tea houses, dude, bro. I was drinking tea. Oh, you would have freaked out about this tea, bro. Ching Dynasty tea, bro. Wow. Like it was a yeah. whole ceremony. Like we started out with some light puer and then we just worked our way like some like, you know, Yunnan, some 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 silver needle Yunnan and like he went through the whole process and by the end it was like, you know, we were drunk on tea, you know. That's a good feeling. The you, tea pie. Bro, you would love it here. You would love it here. You would love it here. If you if you were here right now, you would move here. You'd be like, "All right, I'm at least going to spend a few months here." Like you cuz you come you make your own little worlds here. It's pretty freaking cool, man. It's pretty cool. The only thing is like Yeah, I wish there were, it was a little more liberal and progressive here. Like, you know, cuz it's like the Indo government the Indo government's pretty hardcore. Uh, <laughs> There's that whole thing. Like, I definitely like the Aussie government better. Like, on a federal level, I'm definitely like, okay, well, you know, maybe the Aussies are a little too controlling, and it's like, I'm a little suspicious, and it makes me a little uneasy, but I at least know that, like, it's relatively logical. You know what I mean? It's like, if there's an issue, like, it'll get sorted out eventually. You know what I mean? Like, it's pretty, like, people are pretty polite. You know, even when I had my little issue that wasn't really an issue, like everybody was pretty polite about, it. you know, they had suits on and, you know, when I was, you know, when I was, you know, shipped from one state to the other, you know, they, they weren't like, you know, ag aggressive and, you know, it was all very respectable. So <sighs> on that level, I'm like, well, you know, and yeah, you know, the Aussie government's not, chopping down tons of forest and you know yeah it's like I, you know it's weird because like Aussie government's got like really great environmental policies but then also has like a massive mining industry where western australia gets 95 percent of all of its you know re all of its financial resources from mining 95 percent. but mining's okay for the planet right they're sustainable mining That's right Are you serious or are you joking? <laughs> hey, I got a fun fact for you. Want, want a fun What's fact? Want, want a conspiratorial fun fact? What's that? <clears throat> Western Australia gets 95% of all its financial resources from mining. 82%, most, a majority of that mining is iron ore. 82% of all the iron ore bought from Western Australia uh is bought by the chinese so that means approximately 80 percent of all of australia's western australia's uh economy is basically based on the chinese buying their resources which means that western australia works for china now what's the one of the only places in the entire world that was not affected by covid that had no recession no lockdown and was business as usual 
Western Australia. Bingo. So if it was a biological weapon, or is, because it still exists, then what genius of a tactic would have that have been? I'm not saying it is. It's probably just because Western Australia is very biosecure and because it's, it's located in a remote geographic location and the way the system's set up, it's very easy to contain, isolate a virus and get rid of it. I understand that. I'm just saying, if I was a conspiracy theorist, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you can look at, <clears throat> you could look at, look at it in different ways. Um, I mean, Melbourne is working closely with the Chinese. Melbourne's, Melbourne the, doesn't have a curfew anymore, though, right? It doesn't have a curfew, but still they're under a lot of restrictions. But it's business as usual? No. Well, well what do you mean? It's business as usual. <laughs> All the shops are open. People can go buy things. Eat food. Nice one. Well, what do you reckon? Should we uh, wrap up this this edition? What are you over it? Well, I don't know. Did you have a? You, you seemed like you were. Um... We. This is like the second part. We are. We finished the first part before. Remember when I was like, okay, and then like I went off, and then I was like, oh. Oh, I guess we could have like an official. I mean, I like the I like the open platform. I wish you could hear the theme song. Can't hear it from that <laughs> side. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, sure, I guess. That's fine. I've got a headache anyways. All right, thanks, guys, for listening. Everyone have a nice time. Real talk stories. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Uh...